Praise the Lord. My name is Doug Logan. I am honored and blessed that I get to share in New Heights Church 10th anniversary. Let's be clear. I love Will. Pastor Will is my man, 50 grand. Um, I love he and his family and been friends for many, many years. He is a joy. I've learned so much from him. I'm honored to serve him in our network, Acts 29. Um, his role is pivotal and um, his relationship is a gift. So praising God for you guys as you um, celebrate. What a great celebration. And I am beyond honored that you would allow me to speak. I haven't been to West Virginia um, to the church, but man, the leaders I've encountered, they have been a joy. They've been crazy. You know, baptizing in mud, that's a little different for me. And um, but I love all that God is doing with New Heights Church. I call Will Bush, I call Pastor Will the, the, the Tim Keller of the backwater churches. So congrats, congrats. So while we rightly celebrate, I wanted to take this time with you to lovingly exhort you towards continued faithfulness to Jesus for many anniversaries to come. If you've been around church planning and ministry, you'll know two things to be true. The work is hard and it's easy to lose perspective. Luckily, we're not the only ones who have experienced this difficulty of church planting. Timothy was experiencing the very same thing in 2 Timothy. For content and context, Timothy was a young guy working hard there in Ephesus, preaching and leading and, and getting the good gospel work done. Some victories, some defeats. There were many challenges. The work wasn't always sunshine and rainbows. There were trials, tribulations, and challenges. See, gospel mission is always an easy victory after easy victory. It was easy for him to lose perspective on mission that he was called to. The mission that he left mom and grandma for. Simply put, a brother can get discouraged out here on these evangelical church planting streets for real. Therefore, Paul like a good spiritual father writes to Timothy. He lays a foundation for Timothy to flourish, even in the midst of those episodic, discouraging seasons. How do I know? Well, let me walk up chapter one real quick. In 2 Timothy 1, it's clear that Timothy was going through discouragement and suffering. Paul writes to him saying he remembers Timothy's tears in verse four. He calls Timothy to rekindle the gift of God that has been given him in verse six and reminds him that God has not given him a spirit of fear, but power, love and sound judgment. The spirit of God has given Timothy. Um, God has given Timothy empowers him to share in suffering and in the power of God in verse eight. There were situations around Timothy in which he could have been ashamed, scoffers and naysayers, the Greco-Roman culture that mocked some spooky belief in a resurrected Jesus and some resurrected human was ridiculous to them. He calls him to not be ashamed of the gospel verses eight and 12. He calls a clarifying, uh, he um, and Paul is clarifying, I'm sorry, that suffering is normative for gospel mission, normative. He goes on from the call to not be ashamed to the call to hold on to sound teaching in verse 13 and guard the good deposit in verse 14. 
Paul knows what? What does Paul know? Paul knows that faithfulness to Jesus in the midst of hardship is tough. So Paul is giving Timothy a bit of a halftime speech in the midst of what he's going through. I'd like to share that speech with you as you consider it, um, it 10 years into the journey as a church plan. Consider this on this anniversary. Consider this. Second Timothy chapter two, verse one through seven is where I'll find my footing. This is Paul's what I call his halftime speech for Timothy's church planning journey. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in the sufferings as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in concerns of civilian life. He speaks to um, please the commanding officer. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The, hand, the hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. In this halftime speech with Timothy, Paul does what the best coaches do with their team. When the going gets tough, they remind you of who you are and what you're capable of. Who you are, you've been entrusted with something you're supposed to guard and the Holy Ghost is guarding you. What you are capable of, a multi-generational transmission of gospel legacy. Paul contrasts Timothy with the naysayers who abandoned Paul and Jesus. You therefore, verse one, opposite of them punks, my son, Paul takes ownership of Timothy from a family perspective. This is not pastor or theolo this is not pastor or theo theological Paul, but this is Pop's Paul. This is Pop speaking to his young boy, his son, Timothy. So Pop's Paul gives him three imperatives. Hear these for your soul, New Heights. Hear these for your soul. Three imperatives. Be strengthened, verse 1. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's my first idea. Passive voice. It's outside of himself. See, in the Greek, the passive voice means it's coming from outside. It's being thrust upon you. Let yourself be strengthened, not fearful, opposite, the antithesis, not something you muster up. See, Christ must be your strength. He's calling here for a deeper dependency through who you are in Christ. Call to remember, to refocus and be refueled regularly by the gospel. Let yourself be strengthened in the good news of Jesus, New Heights. Do you remember who you were before Jesus met you? Do you remember how nasty and filthy you were? Do you remember you were outside of the promises of God? Thought church was crazy. Didn't believe in the promises and in the love of God. You thought it was ridiculous or in, maybe you're like me. You were nominal in your Christian. You called yourself Christian, but you didn't do nothing Christian. You was lying, pimping, sexual immoral, everything, while in drunkenness, weed, everything, lost your mind. Do you remember who you were? before Christ ran up on you and smacked you with his grace. I remember. 
And that's why I get so happy about Jesus. That's why I know I don't deserve this life of grace. That's why I know heaven should not be my home. That's why my, my credit can barely get me a house. But the credit on God's report gets me an eternal home with no mortgage, fully furnished with the grace and love of God, with my landlord forever being Jesus. I know he's brought me out of the pit. I know he gave me a wife I didn't deserve. I know he gave me some kids that I I would have never had. I know it. I know it. I know he heals when I do when I, when I don't eat right. I know he saves me from dangers seen and unseen. I know it. I know it. And I love him. Can't wait to see him. I'm not touching his garment. I'm going to hug him. Not long from now in leaving this low land of sorrows to be with him in this season of discouragement, in this world of discouragement. I have been transformed by his grace. And I remember who I was before I met him, but it's fading more and more as his grace continues to envelop me and make me new through sanctification. Praise God for his name. So he says, be strengthened. Second, he says, entrust. Verse two, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Commit. This is calling for long-term faithfulness, give to, entrust care. And then he says, you know, commit to faithful men. It means give it to them and trust them with it. Pass the mic to him like a good rapper. After he does his verse, he passed the mic to the next rapper to do their verse. Note, the personal nature of the entrusting. You heard it from my lips. I taught you, I trained you. Now train others up close and personally, not some distant weird stuff, nah, personally. There is an inevitability and changing of the guard, passing of the torch. See, when people watch track in the Olympics, everybody is looking for the person who is the fastest and who grabs the tape at the end. However, when it comes to a relay race, you won't get the tape if you don't get the stick. You gotta get the baton. The baton has to be passed. The most important thing about relay is passing the baton. If you drop the baton, the race is over. This is the multi-generational booby trap for gospel centrality and for Christ-dependent leadership in legacy. Each of you at New Heights, who are you passing the baton to? You need and we must entrust it to others so everybody is on the clock, on duty to make disciples, reproduce yourself. You should be always about the business of developing and discipling and leading people to look more like Jesus. Let them follow you as you follow Christ. This is not the pastoral duty only. This is for from the pulpit to the parking lot. Everybody is about the business of reproduction of Christ-centered missional disciples. This must be our task. This must be our task. It is our task. It's commanded. Make disciples of all nations. That is not a suggestion and that is not a task for the ecclesiological bodies of the church that's from the dude who got saved last week to the dude with the masters of divinity all hands on deck this is how we continue to plant more churches and go 10 more and 10 more and 10 more 
share in the sufferings. Verse three, sharing the sufferings as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, suffering with someone and suffering like someone. I'm going to say that again. Suffering with someone and suffering like someone. Suffer like Jesus and suffer in community. Christ in community. You're not alone. That's the picture. Share in suffering. You're not alone. Partnership and pain. Philippians 3.10 says, My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. We'll know him in the pain and the power. We'll know Christ in the pain and the power implies that it isn't yours alone. Suffering is not failure for mission. It should be fuel for mission. See, that's not the prosperity gospel. And that's why the prosperity gospel makes me so mad. It washes suffering down the drain. It degenerates um, Stephen's death. It, 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 it spits on Paul's death. Of course, it spits on the crucifixion of Christ. Because it moves away from the suffering, victorious suffering and the substitutionary death of Christ. And then the and then for Paul and Stephen to follow in that journey to their violent deaths, it spits on it because it says that 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 finances equal faith and not faithfulness and suffering equals faith. It jams up the mission to the world because they think suffering is failure. So they misread successful ministry. There is no such thing as a non-suffering church. There is no such thing as a non-suffering Christ. There is no such thing as a non-suffering Christian here and now. Paul's call is for people to suffer now on mission so people won't suffer eternally in hell. We suffer now so that those who would eternally suffer might get smacked in the face with the grace of God through your testimony, through your evangelism, through your coffee, through your food at your table, through your love, through your grace, through your prayers, through your pain, that they might not have eternal pain and that their earthly pain will be their last pain. That Kanye gospel says, I pray that all of their pain would be champagne. That's our hope in evangelism to lead people to Christ. Suffering is a mark of productivity for the church and the believer. It's a mark of productivity. It's not a badge of honor. It's not a badge of dishonor, forgive me. Back to track again. When I ran track, I ran the 400 meter race. Coach said, if you run the 400 and don't come into the finish line in pain, you ran it wrong and you probably lost. He argues that that's the most painful race in all of track. It's a long sprint. A sprint by nature is short. It's an oxymoron. He told me, you got this in terms of athleticism, Doug. But do you have it in terms of embracing the pain for the sake of the win? You can do it, Doug, he said, but can't, you can do it with your, you fast enough and strong enough, but can you handle the pain of that to win? If you come in here not tired, you are probably in last place. If you don't feel like you wanna throw up, you probably lost. Your preparation is the preparation to embrace suffering in light of the goal of Jesus rescuing sinners 
and shining his glory. And how do we do that, New Heights? Same way Paul told Timothy, let yourself be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 tells us about this grace that strengthens us. Therefore, since we also have a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance that's and, and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endures the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Though we'll be, though we'll embrace hardships now, Jesus already grabbed the tape at Calvary. He ran unto death. We run at the risk of death. He ran at the cost of death. We run from victory to victory. We start with the tape that you get at the end of the finish line. Let me close here. So Will and New Heights, listen, be strengthened. God is your steroids. Christ finished work on the cross is your steroids. He strengthens you. You've been entrusted with this good gospel mission. He placed a good deposit in you like a vault protecting a treasure. You are his Bank of America, FDIC, faith and devotion in Christ. That's my FDIC. And you share in the sufferings. Your gain is his pain. Your gain in salvation is his pain on the cross, not the other way around. No pain, no gain. Yeah, that's true. But his pain is your gain. So don't be stingy with your sufferings, but share it. You are not alone. Share with Christ and share with others. Ten years. I like to call this sermon technically a legacy of grace. This is what New Heights is doing. Last thing as I close, we had a slow white dude on our team. Don't tweet that and call me a racist, but he was a slow white dude on our team when we ran track back in 84, 85. And we were, me and the other three black dudes from the hood, we were all on his, on his back all the time. I personally didn't like him. His father was the coach, so they let him run, not because he was good, because he was the coach, son. He was determined to run the first leg of this four by one, um, this four by 400. But he was a distance dude. One day we get out to Newark, New Jersey. Newark is rough. It's like Camden Park. It's like Camden is in the south. Newark is like Camden North in North Jer New Jersey. They were talking about not just beating us in the race, but them jokers was talking about beating us up. So it was hostile territory. Somehow, my little white friend had figured out how to run fast. I don't know what happened. We still lost. And at the end, we all sitting down out of breath hurting. And that dude said, y'all can say what y'all want, but I ran my leg well. And he did, he beat everybody. I've never seen that happen. He's always dragging last and he beat everybody and we're all exhausted and he walked up. Normally that's us jamming him up. He jammed us up. I ran my leg well, he said. That's what we're saying, New Heights. We're entrusting into men and women who will entrust 
into others for generations to come. The only reason we're reading Timothy is because Paul was faithful to run his leg. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, run your leg well. That's all you can be responsible for.